Okay. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> uh, I love you, Ryan. <laughs> I love you, man. Okay. And I received that. That was good. That was good. Okay. If you want to go ahead and turn to Daniel, we're going to be reading from the book of Daniel. I'm going to start in one. And we'll see where this goes. So if you're taking notes, which I know you are, uh, go ahead and write down. We're just going to be pretty much be covering the first portion of Daniel. This portion, I'm going to step through. I'm not going to read through. Yes. Okay. I'm going to step through. So while you're turning there, and I'm giving you this because you should revisit this later on your own. I come and I have what God has, but you should also be going through this again too. So here we go. Daniel 1. Daniel starts out where we know this. He gets taken captive along with some others, brought to a foreign land, and the king, the king of that land, his staff brings Daniel in. So Daniel's inside this foreign kingdom, and this king has, he has a dream, a vision. Something came to him in the night when he was sleeping. And it was from God. How do we know this? It shook him. It troubled him. It says his countenance changed. Something came in and he knew this is important. So he gathered all of his magicians, soothsayers, chamberlains. He gathered everybody that dealt with spiritual things, granted spiritual things in the wrong kingdom. He gathered all of them together and said, I had a dream. I need you to interpret it for me. And this is interesting how he went about doing this. He didn't tell anybody what it was. He just said, okay, I had a dream. I need you to tell me what the dream was, and then I need you to give me the interpretation. And so now... His staff are looking at him, and they go, that's impossible. Why don't you tell us the dream first, and then we'll tell you the interpretation? And he comes back again. He says, no, because if I do that, you'll take time to make it mean something it isn't, and I'll get manipulated out of it. I don't want that. I want you to tell me what it was, and then tell me what it means. They couldn't do that. And they knew they couldn't do that. And he said, if they couldn't, he said, I'll chop you all up. (laughs) Okay, so this shows you how much this word got a hold of who he was. He was willing to wipe out an entire staff. He knew it was from something greater than himself. Okay, so everybody is kind of worried a little bit about losing their heads, I mean, job. So what happened? Someone said, hey, there's a man of God here. There is someone who knows these things. Let us go and get him. So they bring Daniel in. And Daniel says to the king, give me time and I'll give you an interpretation. So the king grants it. So Daniel goes 
He gets those that were with him, and they pray and they ask God, what does it mean? Impossible came up. First thing Daniel did is he went straight to God. Okay, we're going to start off in Daniel 2 now, verse 19. And it says this, Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And this is what Daniel says. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of the God... Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. For wisdom and might are his. Whose? Louder. Whose? It's his. Okay. And he changes the times and seasons. Who changes the times and seasons? God. And he removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might. You have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's demand. Daniel goes before the king. And he gives him the interpretation. And starting in verse 36 of 2, Daniel says this. This is the dream. Now we will tell you the interpretation. Oh, so Daniel, sorry, previous to 36, he comes up to the king. I'm stepping through this to get where we're going, and I don't want to take a lot of time with some of the more, the details of it. But he goes to the king and he says, God visited you in the night, and here's what you saw. You saw a statue, but every portion of the statue from the head to the feet was made out of different materials. The head was gold, but then it went through lesser and lesser and lesser and lesser and lesser materials all the way to the bottom where it was crumbling. But then he said, a stone not crafted by hands was pulled from the mountain and it crushed it all. And all that remained was a mountain that came out of that stone. And he tells the king, that was your dream. And here's the interpretation. And he proceeds to tell the king this. He says, For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, glory, and whatever um, and wherever the children of men dwell, or beasts of the field and birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hands and has made you ruler over them all. What is he telling the king? He says, everything you have is because God gave it to you. He's causing the king to realize there is a God. I'll say it this way. He's causing the king to realize there is a king of kings. There's someone you got to answer to, bud. And he's up here. And everything you have, he's given you. Right now, Nebuchadnezzar is experiencing great success. Great prosperity, great wealth. His kingdom is expansive. And God is saying, it's this. It's just the head. And guess what? I've given you all of that. But what's coming is a kingdom that is going to be greater than yours. 
Jesus is the cornerstone of our foundation, yes? This is what he's talking about. He said, that stone that got pulled from the mountain that was not formed by hands, was not formed by a man and a woman. It was divinely given to Mary. That stone is going to crush the kingdoms of the earth. And at the end of the day, when the dust settles, that kingdom is the one that will reign over all. And he's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords, and he's the God who gave you everything you have. He's telling the king this. So Nebuchadnezzar, this is interesting. Nebuchadnezzar receives that, and he goes, oh my gosh. He tells Daniel, you do get all the revelation. You, God does speak to you. There is a God. And he's astonished by what he, what he hears. And he fell to his face. Verse 46. The king Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and commanded that they should present an offering of incense to him. And the king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods. And the Lord of Kings, and a revealer of the secrets which he could, uh, and a revealer of secrets since you could reveal this secret to me. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many gifts, and he made him ruler over all of the provinces of Babylon and the chief uh, administrator over all the wise men. So Daniel, also Daniel petitioned the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the provinces of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Now this is really interesting. This is not going where you think it's going. What does the king do next? The king, starting in chapter 3, he goes out and he has his staff build a massive statue. Gold. Head to toe. He missed it completely. For several reasons, one of which was this. Look what's happening in the spirit realm, not just in the natural, the big statue, the gold. And he tells everybody in the natural, okay, when this thing chimed, when I, this, you hear this chime, I want everybody to get down. I want you to worship this. And if you don't, it's not going to go well with you. It's going to be the end of you. Okay, that's what's happening in the natural. But look what's happening in the spirit realm. God told him, I've given you everything you've gotten. Everything you have is, is because I gave it to you. The head of the statue in the vision was Nebuchadnezzar's reign. And he said, it's just this much of it, though, Nebuchadnezzar. And everything that's coming is going to be greater, and it's going to be my kingdom. And so Nebuchadnezzar goes, misses it completely, and goes, my kingdom is all of it. Head to toe, it's about me. It's not going to be broken. I'll build it the way I want to build it. It's going to outlast everything. Nothing's going to, there's going to be no clay, no wood, nada. That stone's not going to crush it. I'm going to build it the way I want to build it, and it's going to last forever. He defied the word that just came. He misses it completely. Completely misses it. And he has another dream. <laughs> he doubled down. Okay, he, so he has another dream. And this time, listen to how strange this sounds. This time, Nebuchadnezzar has the dream. He knows it's a God dream. So he comes running. And starting in chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar the king says this, To all the peoples, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare you the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. 
How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was arrested in my house. I was at rest and flourishing in my palace. And I saw a dream which made me afraid. And so the thoughts of and, and the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I issued a decree. He's doing it again to bring all the wise men before me. And he tells him this vision that he had. And this is interesting. Notice what he didn't do this time. You tell me the dream, and you tell me the interpretation. a bit of fear missing a bit of fear of the Lord he's not worried and then what does he do before that listen to this who's this person 34 it was him it was him speaking but listen to this ah, not verse 34 it's back here I missed the word verse 4 listen to this to all the peoples and nations and languages that dwell on the earth peace be multiplied to you I thought it good to declare to you the signs and wonders of the God Most High who worked for me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's in Nebuchadnezzar and what's coming out of his mouth? Your kingdom is an everlasting... I'll put it this way. I'm going to worship God for how great he is. His kingdom's so wonderful. I'm going to enter into worship. But really, I'm going to do it life the way I want to do it. In Nebuchadnezzar's eyes, he was God. He lived the way he wanted. He did what he wanted to do. And when the word of the Lord came with correction, guess what? He still kept doing what he did before. And now it's even weirder because now he's praising God. But his life isn't. His kingdom isn't. So he gathers everybody together and he says, here's the dream. Here's the dream. Uh, <laughs> thank you for following with me. Daniel 4, verse 20. The tree, uh, hold on. Am I reading the interpretation or am I reading the dream? Verse 20. The tree that you saw, which was great. This is Daniel's interpretation of the dream. The tree which you saw was great, and it grew strong, whose height reached the heavens, and which could be seen by all the nations, whose leaves were lovely and whose fruit was abundant, it in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in the branches, of the, uh, and in the branches, the birds of the heavens, and they had their home. It is you, O king, you have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reached to the heavens and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth bound with the band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the fields, let it be wet with dew of, with the dew of heaven, and let him gaze with the beasts, uh, graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O King, and this is the decree the Most High God 
on the Most High God, which has come upon my Lord the King. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules in the heavens, rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whomever he chooses. He rules in the kings, he rules over the kingdom of men, and he gives it to whomever he chooses. And inasmuch as they gave command to leave the stump and the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, this is Daniel speaking. He's not interpreting the dream, but listen to Daniel. Therefore, O king, my advice, break off your sins by righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps they may lengthen your prosperity. So the king missed it the first time. He didn't get it. It didn't, it, I'll say it this way. It did not go from here to here. It was here. Daniel gave the interpretation. Now he had the peace of mind, but he never did anything with it. And his pride and the hardness of his heart proceeded. That's what God was intervening to help him with the first time. But he missed it. He missed it. Okay. 28 of 4. 28 of 4 says this. All this came to, the, all this came to King Nebuchadnezzar. At the time of the twelfth month, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, is, it, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen, his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Okay. Needless to say, his world got a little shook. <laughs> Don't look at me, Sandy. His world got a little shook. He lost everything. And I don't just mean possessions, talents, all that. He lost his mind. He lost everything. Verse 34. And at the end of time, this is when he gets it all back. Remember it said, God's going to take it for a period and he's going to give it back because the heart of God is still the heart of God. He wants him to know that there is a final authority. He's wanting him to know there's someone above you. Acknowledge that. He's wanting him to get it. So, at the end of time, 
it starts coming back, right? Nebuchadnezzar lifted his eyes to heaven. And he says, my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and I praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say anything to him. Sorry, no one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reasoning returned to me and for the glory and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles restored to me. I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. He didn't deserve that. But God did it. Listen to this. God added. He didn't just return. Listen to this. 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. All of whose works are truth and his ways justice. And whose walk and those who walk in pride he shall put down. He got it all back. He got a second chance. He got it all back. Why? He had to change his heart. His heart had to change. He's not God. You're not God. That's what happened. He goes, your life, Nebuchadnezzar, looks like you, God. And everything you do, you do for you what you want to do. God gave you something special, and you are running it through the mud. I am God. There is a final say. You know that that term we use a lot, the fear of the Lord, which we're all supposed to have? It's an acknowledgement that you are held accountable for your lack of morality is an acknowledgement that at the end of the day, you're accountable for what you said. You're accountable for what you did. You're accountable for how you acted. Nebuchadnezzar didn't have that. Oh, wow, that was a good word. I'm going to keep doing my life, though. And God said, no. I'm going to take it all away because you need to see that I am the king. My word is the final authority in the life of a follower of God. And he gives Nebuchadnezzar the opportunity and Nebuchadnezzar gets it the second time. He gets it all back. Now, that's incredible. And we can stop there and that's incredible. He must have looked something interesting after all that time. Hair like eagle's feathers, talons, been out said the dew covered him, so I'm suggesting he's probably not wearing much and just like an animal out in the field. Okay, that's what it says there. Probably looked pretty ugly. Guess what God didn't care about? Guess what God could have cared less about? How he looked. Everything that brought him to that point. Guess what God really loved? What did Nebuchadnezzar's heart do? How do we know that? 
it with his mouth. That's powerful. That's one king. Watch this. He has a son. Nebuchadnezzar has a son. Listen to what his son does. Starting in chapter 5, Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast for a thousand of his lords. And he drank wine in the presence of the thousands. While he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple, which had been in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines, that they might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines, drank from them, and they drank wine. And they praised the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. And in the same hour, the finger of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster wall of the king's palace. And the king sought the part of the hand that was writing it. And the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees locked against each other. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the chamberlains, the soothsayers, all of that sounds familiar, right? He saw the handwriting on the wall. He did the same thing his dad did. He called everybody and they said, well, there's a man of God who, who knows the things of the Lord. And so they called Daniel back again. And Daniel, who had walked with his father and saw everything his father walked through, Daniel comes to him and says this. In 5, starting in verse 18. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, kingdom and majesty, glory and honor. And because of all the majesty that he gave him, all peoples and nations and languages trembled and feared him. Whomever he wished, he exalted. And whoever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whoever he wished, he put down. And he's telling the son this. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was disposed from his, king's, from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the be- that of the beasts, and his dwelling, was made like, uh, his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like an oxen, and his body was set with the dew of heaven till he knew that the Most High God rules over the kingdom of men and appoints whomever he chooses. And Daniel says this to him, But you, his son, Belshazzar, you haven't humbled your heart. And although you knew all of this, you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you. And you and your lords, your wives and your concubines, have drunk wine from them, and have praised the gods of silver, bronze, gold, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hands and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, 
And the thing was written on the wall, which was interpreted, God has numbered your kingdom, it's finished. You have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then moving on, we see the king... He gives Daniel the, the, the robe and the chain. Daniel didn't ask for those things. The king did it anyway. And then in verse 30, it just says, That very night, Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, was slain. Okay. Walk with me. That's a lot, but we're going to step through it. We have the first king who sees himself as God. I'm going to, do, I'm going to live life and build my kingdom the way I want to do it. And a word comes, and he doesn't heed it. So a second word comes, and he heeds it. And because he chose to turn his heart, his life, around, he got a second chance. God added to his kingdom. He had to change first. His heart had to change. How he treated God, there had to be some reverence. He had to treat God with honor. He had to treat him as the king of kings. And he did that. He got it all back. He got a second ah! He got a second chance. <laughs> That was pretty good. He got a second chance. But the second king knew all of that. And he took what was meant to be sanctified and set aside unto God. And he used it to worship idols. Can I go over a minute? Yes? Okay. He knew better. In Romans 6, starting in verse... Okay, Romans 6, starting in verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, talking about Christ, certainly we should also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him and that the body... Of, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer live as slaves, lift as slaves to sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Amen. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Amen. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over you, for the death that he died he died once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive in God, Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let your sin reign over your mortal bodies. You should obey in, you should not obey in it, in its lusts. Don't let sin reign over your bodies, and you shouldn't obey in its lusts. And do not present your body members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. That is straight from God's mouth to you and me. Belshazzar, the word of the Lord came. He did what he wanted to do anyway. And guess what? He took what was meant to be sanctified and he worshiped the devil with it. 
What I just read to you from Romans is God's commission to you. You're free from sin. Do not take what has been set aside and use it to fulfill lustful, fleshly, sin, sinny, sin, sin, sin. That's what he tells him. Don't you do that. Look at the two kings and what they represent. One of them turned his heart around, got his act together, acknowledged Jesus as Lord, and lived like there was a higher moral standard. Lived like there was a God in heaven. Followed what he said to do. The second king came in, knew all of that, and said, I'm still going to use my life to do what I want. And I'm going to take this body, this, this, this that I am, and I'm going to use it to still walk in sin. And God showed up, and that king did not get a second chance. He forfeit his life. He forfeit his life. Nebuchadnezzar was in a place where he knew God was God because he ran into the court saying, praise God of most high heavens. Praise him for who he is. But had this dream. He came in and said, praise God. Praise him for who he is. God is so wonderful and great. Da, 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 da. But he wasn't living like that. When you come in to God's presence, Praise God. He's so wonderful and great. How great is our God? Da, 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 da. But you're not living like that? The same God who gave the word then is the same God who gave the word now. Did you hear the first word that came out of our service? I've been with you the whole time. I've seen it all. I've watched it all. You're not where you're supposed to be. You'll come in and you'll praise me for who I am, but when a word of correction comes... You'll take it in the moment, but you'll still go do what you want to do. And you'll have to come to a place of brokenness where you are so desperate, realizing that the very breath you have is in the hands of God, and you live like there's a God in heaven that you're accountable to at the end of the day. You're accountable to what his word says at the end of the day. He got it all back. But the guy that came in and did the thing and still did what he wanted, still walked around and lived the way he wanted to do, he forfeit everything. He had nothing to pass on. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? When you come to God, when you come into his presence, do you live like there is a higher moral standard or do you just do for self what self wants to do and then you come running to God to praise him and then to share your troubles because you had this dream, because God convicted you in some way? There is a broken cycle here One of them got it. And what did he have to do? Go ahead. What did he have to do? He had to change his heart. And what did he have to do? He had to declare with his mouth. You're king of kings. You're lord of lords. You've given me everything I have. And you can take it all away. He acknowledged who God was. And he got a second chance. Okay. You and I are supposed to live lives that are set apart, sanctified. That's what God's asking of you this morning. 
not going to ask you where you are. I am going to ask you, where, where should you be? Where should you be? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of the Lord. In a day that man lost everything, and in, that, in a day he got it back. And in a day a man lost everything, and he got nothing back. Nothing back. Forfeit at all. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of the Lord. Everybody go ahead and stand up. I have the worship team up here. While the worship team's coming up, we give this time for the Lord, for his words, for his spirit to come and move and minister, to have his way, to have his being. We give this day to the Lord. It is a special day. And with faithfulness, with mercy, with loving kindness, with justice, God comes and he can't take what you don't give. He can redeem anything after it's left your hands. He can give anything back after it's come out of your mouth. If it comes from your heart to him. He can restore anything. He didn't care what Nebuchadnezzar looked like. But he cared deeply about what changed. And everything that man got back was blessed. Did not deserve it. But God did it. Because that's God. Father God, go ahead and start. Father God, I, God, we give you this time. You're here. You're moving. And we're responding. Amen.